Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith to you into the world. If you don't already support us, you can do so by visiting our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you can click on one of our two friendly yellow buttons, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith and then send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And thank you for your support. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Thursday, August 31st, 2017. Calendar, heresy, hurricane season begins next week. Oh man, looking forward to the three-day holiday though. <laughs> the calm before the storm. Oh man. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseboro. I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you to slow down, stop, open up your Bible, and compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, and we take the time to actually open up the Bible. You've heard of these things? Uh, you can turn them on now, apparently. Uh, we open up the Bible to compare and contrast what the most popular pastors, preachers, teachers, conference speakers, self-proclaimed prophets, prophetesses, self-appointed apostles and apostolettes, and those generally put forward by the evangelical industrial complex as those whom we need to be listening to, whose books apparently we need to be buying, and whose small group curricula we should be studying instead of the Word of God. Yeah, weird how that always works out that way. And over and again, we demonstrate that the steady diet of doctrine being put out there is not biblical. It's not Christian. It's it's not at all what Christians have believed, taught, and confessed, you know, over the 2,000-year history of Christianity. It's just, people are just making stuff up nowadays. Then doing whatever... <laughs> They feel they want to do, and uh, what they feel they want to do, believe what they want to believe, it, it isn't actually sanctioned in God's Word, and God's Word warns us against false doctrine and those who would teach for shameful gain the things that they ought not to teach, and so this is a a program that is a lesson in discernment. That's kind of the basic idea here is that since sound doctrine matters, God's word is clear on this. There are over and again warning and warnings in Scripture against false prophets, false teachers, those who make void the word of God by teaching human doctrines as if they're doctrines of men, those who are teaching doctrines of demons. I mean, the, 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 the plethora of different ways in which you can go wrong here is so huge, and God himself has warned us that uh, these gals and fellows, yeah, it's a little bit of both nowadays, that uh, they would be running around the landscape and we are to be on guard against them, we are to warn against them, we are to rebuke them, call them to repent, 
uh, yeah, and uh, warn the body of Christ against their false teaching. But uh, <clears throat> you do that nowadays, you know, let's say, wait a second, this person's teaching false doctrine. And then people are going to gang up around you and say, who are you? How dare you touch God's anointed? You know, and, and you, you, you're just jealous of their ministry and their growth and, and the fact that they're a celebrity and you're not. <laughs> yeah, and just like sitting there going, no, no. <laughs> That's not how that works. So anyway, <laughs> I, again, I'm looking at the calendar. I'm looking at Labor Day going, yeah, that's looking good. I'm looking at the day after Labor Day going, nope, that's not looking good <laughs> because I know what next week is. Next week is the big fall kickoff. Yeah. And so heresy hurricane season begins next week. And you're going, what's that? Now, if you're not uh, if you're recently listening to the program, you're not sure what heresy hurricane season is. Um, it's kind of like the Atlantic hurricane season or, you know, the Gulf uh, hurricane season. And, you know, we just got through Harvey. Um, and this, I mean, no insensitivity to those who have suffered damage to their property as a result of the flooding in Houston and things like that. We've had heresy hurricane season as a regular feature here on Fighting for the Faith a lot longer than Harvey's destruction has been around. And the idea here is is that there is a season during which um, there is a high probability of new dangerous heresies and bizarre things being spewed by false teachers and false prophets and false apostles and all these people. And the reason why that season exists in the form that it does is due to the fact that um that they're during other parts of the year they're on vacation and they're you know uh, resting on their laurels using the you know the seed money that they've received in the bazillions uh, to go and travel to exotic ports of call and five diamond resorts and things like that and so we've just about come through that the uh, the heretical teams are now uh, finishing up spring training <laughs> and ready for the big fall launch, which uh, will happen next week. So heresy hurricane season runs from uh, Labor Day uh, in September in the United States all the way to Memorial Day in, uh, in, you know, in, in May. And uh, that's a high probability of a, of a big heretical storm, Category 5 tw- Bible twisting taking place. And uh, it, it, it'll, it'll wreck you. I mean, it, it, so badly, it won't destroy property. It, it could potentially send you and your loved ones to hell. So, um, yeah, we've come through the summer, which is usually a little slower around here. Although I would note this, it... I didn't notice too much of a slowdown this summer. Um, Although I got through the summer with only reviewing one movie sermon. (laughs) And I consider that to be like a a personal victory, a personal victory because I made it through with reviewed one and I can't stand them. I, I, I really have a, a particular loathing for movie sermons. So uh, that doesn't mean that I won't review them in the future, and uh, they do come up occasionally out of season. So, uh, you know, just keep that in mind. But I just consider it a personal victory that rather than going to a movie sermon, we went back to Brownsville, spent a lot of time uh, working through messages preached at the Brownsville Revival, including uh, a sermon delivered by Michael Brown (laughs) 
And with all the Bible twisting and false doctrine being spewed and false prophecies spewed at the Brownsville Revival, I see no reason whatsoever to believe that that was a move of the Holy Spirit. All right, so uh, let's talk about what we're going to do on today's episode of Fighting for the Faith, the last full-length episode of Fighting for the Faith before the 2017-2018 heresy hurricane season gets started. (sighs) All right, so uh, we're going to begin with a William Tapley um, update. Yeah, William Tapley, third eagle of the apocalypse, co-prophet of the end times, and uh, we're going to check in with his prophetic insights. I mean, you see, you know, oftentimes when there's a major news event out there happening in the world, you know, there's different people to cover the different angles of it. You know, the person on the ground covering the destruction, the other person covering the political angles and what the different talking heads are saying about it. Well, William Tapley on his uh, YouTube channel always gives us the prophetic angle. At least that's what he thinks he's doing. And uh, so we're going to check in with William Tapley as he explains to us the prophetic significance of Hurricane Harvey being a warning from God uh, to Babylon. So if you uh, you live in Babylon, uh, uh, Hurricane Harvey apparently was a warning to, <laughs> to you. So uh, we will definitely be checking in with that. And while we're kind of under the big umbrella of the doom and gloom update... Um, we will check in with uh, the Jim Baker Show's special YouTube uh, program that they put out from time to time titled Revelation in the News as they apparently try to explain to us um, the significance of uh, North Korea's uh, uh, saber-rattling, nuclear saber-rattling as of late. And, of course, (laughs) we'll always uh, continue to ask the same questions uh, of revelation and news as we have asked in the past. And then uh, yesterday we uh, just, you know, was it not yesterday, Tuesday, Tuesday, uh, we did not uh, get to Scott Clark's presentation regarding the forthcoming sign that is occur- going to occur in the heavens. We've already noted this already, this sign, this apparent sign that's coming up in the heavens. Um, the, the, uh, Virgo is about get ready to give birth to Jupiter. Uh, apparently Jupiter is going to go down the birth canal of the, uh, constellation Virgo and, uh, and there, and, uh, Virgo is going to be crowned with 12 stars. And here's the interesting thing about this particular sign. It happens in <laughs> daylight, which means nobody's going to see it. Yeah. It's, it's weird. Anyway, so we'll we'll check in with that, and uh, s- somewhere along the line, we're obviously going to have to take a break, um, and uh, and then uh, one of the things we will be doing is <laughs> listening to one of the most bizarre, and I mean, <laughs> bizarre sermon illustrations I've heard in a while, and it's from Kelly Dykstra of the Crossing Church out there in uh, Minnesota, and uh, I I'll just let her. Um, explain. And I personally think that there's something that we could do to kind of use this this analogy or metaphor, but I'll let her explain it before we uh, we do that. And, uh, and then uh, in hour number two, hour number two, we're going to head over to Faith Church St. Louis as we listen to Nicole Crank uh, preaching on the Book of Ruth. And um, I got to admit, I only previewed this, and in my preview, I was scratching my head going, 
I, what? Huh? What? what? I just didn't get it. Maybe it'll make more sense. because So this is one of those sermons where I haven't gone all the way through it. So I don't know where it's going to go. I, from time to time, I will do this, and oftentimes I'll alert you to the fact that this is a sermon that's been previewed but hasn't been listened to in its entirety. And it had me scratching my head You know, by the time we got five, six minutes into it, so much so I said, okay, i got to review it, but I mean, my curiosity's peaked. I don't know where this one's going to land. <laughs> I just don't know. But I'm pretty sure, based on the direction she's heading, She's not going to pick up on the the biblical typology that points to Christ in the story of Ruth. And uh, we recently uh, posted an episode of Fighting for the Faith from you know from a, a teaching I gave a couple years ago on the Book of Ruth, looking at the biblical typology pointing to Christ, kinsman redeemer kind of stuff. And uh, I'm pretty sure Nicole isn't going to go there, but I, I don't know with certainty. So. Anyway, that will be today's episode of Fighting for the Faith. I strongly recommend you make yourself comfortable. We got a lot of ground that we need to cover, and since we're going to begin with kind of a doom and gloom prophetic insight into recent things occurring in the news, uh, let's do this. Soon, listen to Third Eagle's tune. Doom and gloom, God is telling us the end is coming soon. Very soon, you'll see signs up in the sun and stars and moon. Doom and gloom, very soon, rapture comes at night or noon. Doom and gloom, very soon, if you're ready, you will meet the bride and groom. Yeah, that's right. Doom and gloom coming soon. Uh, and uh, so let's head over to William Tapley's YouTube channel and uh, see if we can make any sense of this. I mean, we, we've already covered the fact that there were hurricane weather warriors out there um, who were saying that, you know, hey, we got to stop this Hurricane Harvey thingy. Because we Christians are supposed to be the weather people. And uh, that didn't play out so well. Um, and uh, so William Tapley, um, you know, maybe he can give us some prophetic insight. I mean, after all, he is the third eagle of the apocalypse and the co-prophet of the end times. So that being the case, we expect that he's got some insight that ain't nobody got. So uh, here's William Tapley to explain to us what the de- devastation of Hurricane Harvey is supposed to mean. Here we go. Welcome to Revelation Unraveled. I'm your host, William Tapley, also known as the Third Eagle of the Apocalypse and the co-prophet of these end times. A lot of news is being made across the United States and probably around the world about the destruction being caused by Hurricane Harvey in Texas. And... I want to mention that three weeks ago, I did a program warning you to leave the shorelines surrounding America. That would be the Atlantic Ocean, the Pacific Ocean, the Great Lakes, and the Gulf of Mexico. Now, I'm not claiming that I knew about Hurricane Harvey. So three weeks ago, uh, 
William Tapley issued you know an all coastal warning <laughs> flee the the coast so if you live in the uh, on the Atlantic the Pacific or the Gulf Coast uh, William Tapley 3 weeks ago told you to uh, get to high ground beforehand that's not what I was warning about I was warning you that you must leave the whore of Babylon or as John puts it come out of her my people Okay, uh, so only those living in coastal towns in the United States are being warned to flee the horror of Babylon and to come out of her. Um, can I ask the obvious question, and that is, how does one come out of the Babylon that he's referring to? In the geographical location, as I proved on that program, is that the whore of Babylon sits on many waters. And that's right. Yeah, she sure does. Um, so, so, I mean, how does one then come out of her? What you must leave. And in fact, if you had taken my advice at that time, you could be avoiding the effects of Hurricane Harvey. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. I just feel for all the people out there in Houston who didn't flee because of William Tapley's warning. I mean, this is like the worst case of prophetic, I told you so, that I've ever heard. And that is why I believe Almighty God sent Hurricane Harvey. And that is to verify what John is saying in the book of Revelation. Hurricane Harvey is not part of the plagues that will strike the Horn of Babylon it's leading up to the great burning of America with fire in one hour. All right. So America is going to get burned up with fire in one whole hour. Hurricane Harvey proves this, which kind of begs the question. You know, I've been on this planet for almost 50 years. And in my lifetime, we've seen some pretty devastating hurricanes. In fact, in U.S. history, there have been some very devastating hurricanes, Atlantic hurricanes and Gulf hurricanes. I think of Katrina and what was that one, Andrew, and, you know, others. Um, what did those mean? You know, I mean, the, the, the fact that there is an actual hurricane season during which time there is a higher probability of the development of these types of weather events kind of says that these things are to be expected. I mean, it's so common that for a long time now, they've been naming these things. Y yeah. And I think we are going to see more of these warnings as we approach the great sign on September the 23rd. Now, I read a news story that said that I named hurricanes, like Irene and things like that. Um that uh, those ones historically have actually done more damage. So, I mean, we need to be looking out for the big eyes at this point. Are, are you going to warn everybody about the eye hurricane that potentially could be striking any time now, you know? And I want to read for you from the book of Revelation the warning that precedes the great sign. And this is Revelation chapter 11, verse number 19. Okay, so Revel notice he invoked the great sign of Revelation 12. 
So we're in Revelation 11. Now, William Tapley is one of these fellows who literally is trying to take credit for Take credit for uh, find, you know discovering and putting out there on the internet on the internet on the interwebs the uh, you know the discovery of the great sign of Revelation twelve having something to do with Virgo and Jupiter and all this kind of stuff. But then again, no one's going to actually be able to see this sign. But uh, you know he he's a, a, a he's a firm believer in it. In fact, claims to be the guy that discovered it. Temple of God was opened in heaven. And the Ark of his Testament was seen in his temple. Now, the Ark of the Testament is Mary herself. And this relates to Revelation 12, verse number 1. Mary is the Ark of the Testament. Okay. The great sign where a woman appears with the sun, wearing the sun, with a crown of 12 stars on her head, and being in childbirth. And Revelation eleven nineteen is just preceding Revelation 12.1. And there were lightnings and voices and an earthquake and great hail. Now, most of those are natural catastrophes. And I don't believe... Yeah, lightnings and hails and stuff, yeah. The, the catastrophes that John is writing about here are limited to them. For example, lightnings are also associated with thunders and a lot of rain. Yes, lightning and thunders generally go together, and rain seems to be all part of the package, yeah. And earthquake, now that is singular, so this could be just one event, and hail, that's usually associated with high winds. So it could be that Hurricane Harvey is a fulfillment of this prophecy in 1119, although... <laughs> could be, we're not sure. The jury's still out. We're, we're waiting for more uh, evidence. Don't see the, or have heard the voices. That would be supernatural. And we haven't seen yet Mary in the skies. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I'm pretty sure no one reported any sightings of Mary during Hurricane Harvey. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um... um yeah, I'm kind of at the moment where I'm. What's the word? Uh, gobsmacked. It's this is just okay. Um, mm -hmm. So uh, let's switch it up. We've already done the doom and gloom music, so uh, let's switch it up and head over to the Jim Baker show and uh, and uh, their special edition YouTube program. And the name of it is Revelation. In the news, and uh, of course, as always, we'll ask the relevant question uh, as it relates to this particular program. Here we go. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Revelation in the News. I'm your host, Ricky Baker. Second Corinthians ten three through five says, "Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds." casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. I love that because we have the victory already. We don't war against the flesh. We war in the spirit realm. And in the spirit realm, every victory has already been won for us. So all we have to do is take those thoughts into captivity. Though we war... What? <laughs> I, could you diagram that for me? 
So in the spirit realm, this is all already. So we got to take what's in the spirit realm and yank it into uh, the physical, apparently. What are you talking about? In the spirit realm, there is war in the physical that seems to be brewing up. And right now, North Korea seems to be a big problem, John. <laughs> um, I... I... <laughs> How did you go from 2 Corinthians 10 to North Korea? I, I, I mean, that was an impressive jump. I mean, you've seen daredevils, you know, you know, jump the Grand Canyon and things like that. I mean, this is even better than that. Yes, North Korea is consistently aggravating for war. How exactly have they gotten nuclear weapons? Now, John, uh, what? <laughs> Okay, um, I, I'm having a hard time pulling it together here, um, but can I ask kind of the um, standard question I ask with these segments is where in North Korea, uh, where in the in Revelation, where in the book of Revelation is North Korea mentioned? There it is. That's the question. I mean, <laughs> um, I, I don't recall seeing... North Korea or Kim Jong, whoever, um, it mentioned in the book of Revelation. You said the name of the program is Revelation in the News. What does Kim Jong-un or whoever his name is, or North Korea, what do they have to do with the book of Revelation? I want to ask you that question. You know, uh, they were saying that it's going to be many years before North Korea has these capabilities, and now they have these capabilities. John, how did North Korea acquire nuclear weapons? Matter of yeah, how did they? And I mean, <laughs> okay, so I mean, legitimate question: How did they they come across these uh, um, nuclear weapons? I'm pretty sure the guys on Revelation in the news are not experts on this. Yeah, so I mean, if I were to really legitimately be asking this question: How did North Korea come up with nukes? How did they how did they acquire them? Jim Baker's television program would be the last place, and I mean this, the last place I would go to find the answer to that question. Just just saying. The New York Times has brought forth a really interesting investigation into North Korea. As a matter of fact, when Ukraine separated from Russia, all of a sudden, Ukraine actually was developing missiles for Russia. Mm. They were developing their most sophisticated missiles. And so when they split, there is a missile facility uh, going without work. So they probably went to the highest bidder. As a matter of fact, it was saying that North Korea, there's two possible ways because six years ago, they're actually found by the U.N., to be trying to steal the secrets from this facility. Hmm. The only other possible solution is that it was sold on the black market because this company has specifically had a, a lull in, in production, so they're probably looking for money. Now, nuclear weapons aren't something that just, you know, you happen to stumble upon. They have to be created in a certain facility under certain temperatures and certain environments. So, John, who would have sold North Korea a nuclear weapon on the black market. Well, that's what we're saying is they've been looking at the design plans and what they've been trying to get a hold of is directly to what 
Ukraine actually had in their facilities. Hmm. Wow. So it had to come from U- Ukraine. Okay. Now, we've recently... Uh, all right. Are any of these events recorded for us in advance in the book of Revelation? That um, Iran has been able to create these nuclear weapons right now. Yes. As a matter they- of fact, uh, I'm glad you brought that up. You know... I know we, we see constantly in the news, Kim is always running his mouth. He's always talking big, and it's it's like the small man fighting syndrome. Yes, you know. No, I agree. Kim is always running his mouth. He seems like he's aping for a fight. I pray that cooler heads prevail. I you know, War is a terrible thing, and uh, you know, getting involved in a war with North Korea uh, is a dicey proposition at best. But again, what on earth does this have to do with the book of Revelation? Guy who's got his friends behind him, he's trying to make a big deal, and he, he's got, talking a big game. Yeah. So he, they, they usually do not show up to a fight alone. So you brought up Iran, and right now the, North Korea and Iran have both popping up within weeks of each other, mm-hmm. having the, the capability of nuclear weapons. Now Iran actually is building a facility where they can enrich uranium. Mm. And their in their city halls are chanting death to America. Yeah. Mm. But I say you seen those two things correlate the, the the nuclear weapon being built and then their own government yelling death to America. Yeah, and what we're doing right now is we want to take a step back and look at what's going on in the news worldwide because most people get like this 10-minute perspective of the news. You know, Donald Trump, he said this, he tweeted that, mm-hmm. and people aren't happy. They're even saying that um, his voters at some point are going to go against him. Mm. You know, I, you got to ask, with everything going on in the world, is this a coincidence? Well, that's what we want to A coincidence? <laughs> well, well, wait a second there, dude. Um, coincidence would mean that you actually demonstrated that what you're talking about is somehow foreshadowed, spoken of, described in Scripture. And it's not. So what coincidences are you actually referring to here? Um, yeah, always strange to me that uh, every time we check in with Revelation in the news, um, they don't seem to ever actually be able to demonstrate that anything about what they're talking about has anything whatsoever to do with actually what's in the book of Revelation. It's just kind of creepy. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, what's the point in calling it Revelation in the news if you're not actually going to like, you know, open up the book of Revelation and then talk about coincidences and things like that. But the coincidence, is it a coincidence that you're talking about Revelation without actually opening up Revelation? i using the word coincidence doesn't even seem to make sense in that context i think you get the point all right we're up on our uh, first break if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of fighting for the faith you can do so my email address is talkback at fighting for the faith.com or you can subscribe on facebook facebook.com forward slash pirate christian follow me on twitter my name there at pirate christian quick break when we come back, uh, we're going to check in with uh, Scott Clark, YouTube prophet type, as he explains to us all oh, the coincidences regarding the uh, Revelation 12 sign. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. We don't need to rethink Christianity. We need to rediscover it. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. 
You're listening to Pirate Christian Radio. We'll be taking your false doctrine now. <laughs> children, and welcome to this week's Max Holiday's How-To Audio Update. I'm your host, Peter Braithwaite, and today's topic is How to Hug a Vampire. Demonstrating How to Hug a Vampire today will be performed by Dr. D.P. Gumby. Step 1. Find a Vampire. This is by far the hardest step, and be sure to get your parents' permission before starting. Oh, look! A vampire! Step two, warmly greet the vampire from a distance. Hello, Mr. Vampire! Step three, approach the vampire. I'm coming your way, Mr. Vampire! Step four, attempt to hug the vampire. Come here and give me a squinch! Step five, have a relative call... A funeral director. Oh, no! I'm dying! Oh! Oh! There's so much blood! Oh! Step six. If you're reading this step, then you obviously didn't attempt step five. This is Dr. Curtis Lyons. I am the presiding pastor of the American Association of Lutheran Churches. If you are seeking a church that believes that the Holy Bible is the inerrant, infallible Word of God and accepts the Lutheran confessions because they are the right interpretation of Holy Scripture, I hope that you will take a look at the AALC. Also, if you are considering a vocation as a Lutheran pastor, our seminary has a residency program and a program available online. This is Curtis Lyons inviting you to take a look at the AALC. Check us out at taalc.org or on Facebook at the American Association of Lutheran Churches. Exactly how do ye know that she be a heretic? She be endorsing the health and wealth heresy. Does he be speaking the truth? Jesus died to make us rich. Boo! Boo! And what exactly do we do with heretics? 
Oh, we throw them in the boo box? No, no, no. We preach the gospel to them. What if, um, the heretic doesn't repent? Then we throw them in the boo box. is to heretic, to R is to pirate. Get yourself over to www.piratechristianradio.com forward slash Refermanda and purchase yourself a copy of the game Refermanda and join the fight for the faith today. Warning, uh, listening to Fighting for the Faith could cause you to think that all these people who are spending all this time trying to crack the code of the book of Revelation don't know what they're doing. Just a reminder, Fighting for the Faith is listener-supported radio. That means we depend upon you and your generous gifts and financial contributions in order to continue to bring Fighting for the Faith 2 into the world. And you can partner with us. It is a partnership. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. When you get there, you'll see our two friendly yellow buttons. One says donate. The other says join our crew. When you join our crew, you get to pick your rank in our crew. Lowest rank is Powder Monkey at $9.95 a month. After that, Gunner's Mate at $24.95 a month. From there, Master Gunner at $49.95 a month. And then Quartermaster, $99.95 a month. Joining our crew is a great way to support us. So if you don't already support us, we it, it's, it's not an overstatement. We can't do what we're doing without your help. We need your help. Join our crew is a great way to support us and help us. Of course, if you'd like to make a one-time contribution, you could do so by clicking on the Donate button, or you can make your gift payable to Fighting for the Faith. Send it to Post Office Box 13344, Grand Forks, North Dakota, zip code 58208. And let me thank you for your support. We truly cannot do what we are doing here without it. All right, let's change gears here, kind of. We're still under the um, the general umbrella of doom and gloom, but I'm going to have to reset a little bit. Uh, we're going to be listening to Scott Clark and a recent uh, lecture that he delivered at the, listen to the name of this, Hear the Watchman Signs in the Heavenlies Conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do this, and we'll explain a little bit more. Here, here we go. I'm a nut. I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. The head of my shoulders is sorrowless. I ain't got since God gave a goose, Lord. I ain't crazy, but I'm a nut. Is it wetter underwater if you're there when it rains? Is it shorter to New York? And it is by plane between myself and I. I wonder who's the dumber. Is it hotter down south than it is in the summer? I'm a nut. I'm a nut. My life don't ever get in a rut. The head of my shoulders is sourless. And I ain't got since God gave a goose. Lord, I ain't crazy, but I'm a nut. All right. 
<laughs> All right. So, so like I said, we're <laughs> heading to the the year of the Watchmen signs in the heavenly conference. <laughs> and oh man, I I am not gonna make it through this heresy hurricane season. I'm just saying. Anyway, this is Scott Clark, Internet YouTube, hot signs in the heavenlies type kind of <laughs> the pre-trib evangelical rapture uh, non-roman catholic version and answer to william tapley third eagle of the apocalypse let's let him explain to us you know, the whoo, deep whoo, give you shivers significance of this apparent sign that is uh, going to be occurring next month can't wait it's I, it's going to be just non-eventful i'm 100% positive about that but here's scott clark here we go Thank you, guys. What a warm welcome. You know, I've, I've been, I, I just want to say so much thank you to Jeannie and Mike to even have me here. This, thank you. I got to tell you, I did not, I, I, I started my ministry on YouTube in about 2008, 9, 10. I, I started putting music, just playing Music, and I want to show you a, a put, just kind of start off with a song that I wrote a couple years ago, um, the morning after one of the blood moons that we just went through, 2014 and 2015. But um, you, you wrote a song after one of the blood moons. Okay. I did not make a conscious decision to just say I'm going to make a name for myself and I'm going to get into this Bible prophecy eschatology scene and all that kind of thing. I, I really just have had a love for Bible prophecy since. Uh, since I was a teenager, um, in about 1983 or four, when I read my first Hal Lindsey book, Late Great Planet Earth. Who's got that one? Read that one. Oh, that's quite the pedigree. So you got into this because of that. But have you noticed that the Earth has lasted a lot longer than Hal Lindsey said it would? That changed a lot of us, didn't it? It got us like fired up, always going to the Christian bookstore, and there's like this little shelf. There's like 12 books. You're like, come on, more, right? There's never enough. And then, and then it started growing the section. You know, this is like back in the 80s. It was like never enough books for me. And um, so I, I just, I, I started playing music, and then, and then I went down Alex Jones rabbit trail with the uh, Illuminati stuff, and. Um, you know, you kind of have to go through this phase of realizing the world is not what you think, you know. And uh, once I went there, I started talking about, I start talking about, um, you know, the new world order and going. To have you actually ever brought anyone to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins and discipled them in sound biblical doctrine? That whole thing. And then that. That put me into a major depression for like a year and a half, two years. No, really. Like I kind of forgot. I always believed in the pre-tribulation rapture. But, you know, you grow up and you get into sort of a career and that kind of thing. And you might forget some things, kind of forget where you're going. And um, once I got in, like went down those rabbit trails, I just, you know, I was thinking, oh, my gosh, they're going to kill us all. You know, <laughs> that's wow. And I, I just kind of forgot about hope. And then and then I, I just started getting back into the Bible because I needed to. I had to pull out of this depression. I, I literally went homeless. I, 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 it went really bad for me. Like I had to hit rock bottom and um, like I couldn't function. I lost my job. And then I. Um, this sounds to me like a good reason to not imbibe on these 
pre-trib rapture, crack the revelation code kind of books. I couldn't pay my rent. And I lost my house and I was homeless. And, um, and then finally I, I got back up on my feet with the help of my parents. And, just, and it was interesting. This whole time I was still playing drums at church. And they didn't even know. Like half the time I like, hadn't showered in a week. I'm like going in the bathroom and like, oh, just, you know, get my hair all. I'm, like, I'm fine. I'm good. You know? <laughs> and I'm back there going, you know, all right, playing the drums, yeah. You don't know I slept under a bush last night, yeah. Bah! So, eventually I got out of that and, and uh, I got a job and I got a new apartment. And then I just, I, I, I started studying end times again. And I was just like, the hope is that he's coming back for us. You know? And the world is headed for a very bad place, which has been set up for a long time. It's like a rubber band slingshot has been pulling back, back, back. Eventually it's going to snap. We're not there yet, but we're very close, I believe. Back then I was thinking we were really close, but that's because I was watching too many Alex Jones videos. (laughs) You know how that goes. Just stay out of that corner of, of YouTube. Uh, just in moderation, everything in moderation. Um, so, but eventually I, I started like chattering about that stuff uh, on YouTube. I, I first got a YouTube channel to do that, to be able to, to watch videos and save playlists and all. And then, but I had no reason. I'm like, I don't, I don't know what to do, make videos. But I started because I've always been a drummer, but I started, you know, I would take the music home, the little pieces of paper that they put on your little thing. I'm like, okay, there's the words, that's where I'm going. And, but I would take that those home and I would learn how to play guitar as well. But I was always, I'm, I'm kind of a perfectionist, and if I make the smallest little error, I would stop. And I never get through a three minute song. So what I decided to do is put the camera on me. I'm like, if I record it, then I can act like I do when I'm behind the drum set back here. The show must go on. You can't stop if you make a little mistake. You gotta go. So I turned the camera on. I'm like, okay. And then I started actually getting, I was like, I finished the three minute song on guitar. You know? So. And then I had all these little clips in my camera, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm like, ah, people put stuff on YouTube, so I start putting that stuff on YouTube. And, and, then, and then I got comfortable putting myself on the Internet, and then I started talking about end times uh, and um, New World Order, and then that dovetailed into end times. And then I'm like, I'm going to just start telling people what, how I think Bible prophecy works. And then it just started to grow. And about that time, 2008 was when Mark Biltz released... On Prophecy in the News with Gary Stearman, he sat down uh, in J.R. Church that, you know, look at this pattern of blood moons, signs in the heavens, Joel 2.31. Yeah, no, the uh, naturally occurring lunar eclipses were not any sign. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, uh, the moon turning to blood in Scripture, in the New Testament, is preceded by a darkening of the sun. Uh huh. The sun stops giving its light. The moon can only reflect what the sun's doing and the light that it's given by the sun, and it ends up looking blood red as a result of it. So the blood moons that came up, that was not a sign. The moon will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord, the tribulation period. And look at how massive this pattern is. 
2014 and 15 had two blood moons on two, uh, you know, uh, Passover and Sukkot, two years in a row. But that goes back thousands of years, Mark discovered, all related to Israel. And I, I found that fascinating. And um, I give so much credit to Mark Biltz. I, I, I launched off that Blood Moon platform. I mean, I just, I made so many videos about that. But, and always mentioning him for credit, but I was just so fascinated. always trying to figure out, you know, how close are we? Is this the rapture? Is this the tribulation period? I used to call it the tribulation tetrad. Um, and I used to make timelines and things, always trying to figure out where are we in, 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 in you know, in time. And... I remember I was in a um, I was in a forum online, and people were looking at these signs in the heavens, and somebody had posted what they thought was the Revelation 12 sign, which says there's a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and 12 stars. Yeah, again, I'm just going to point this out. All right, when you go take a look at Revelation chapter 12, Revelation chapter 12. Again, a great sign appeared in heaven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, this is a sign that John saw. Where was he? In heaven. It does not say, and a great sign will appear in the heavenlies. Nope, that's not what Revelation 12 says. So we got an improper referent. Revelation chapter 12 is not a prophecy of a forthcoming sign. It is a sign that John saw in the book of Revelation itself. Um, Just like in 13, and I saw a beast rising out of the sea with ten horns and seven heads. You see, that (laughs) this is something he saw already. You know, the whole book of Revelation is full of these word pictures, these these sign pictures, if you would, that uh, that John saw. So we've got a, a problem already, and that is is that these fellows um, incorrectly and erroneously believe that Revelation 12 is a prophecy of a forthcoming sign that we're supposed to be able to see in the heavens, in outer space. But that's not what Revelation 12 is. Furthermore, when this sign apparently takes place, or will take place, you know, we're, we're now well less than a month away, um, when it's supposed to take place, it's daylight. Nobody is going to be able to see it. Uh-huh. Crowning her. And she's in labor and in pain to give birth. It's Revelation 12, 1 and 2. And... Somebody posted a screenshot of Leo and Virgo, right time of year, because in the fall, the sun is in Virgo, right? And every month, the moon is going to go around and pass her feet. So that happens every year. But how do you get 12 stars and how do you get her in labor? Well, somebody in this forum posted, uh, it was a screenshot of, of Virgo and Leo and some planets, but it was 2011. So the planets weren't aligned. And I looked at that and I said, that, I think, you know, that's close, right time of year. But I don't think that's the year because I can't make out the the right kind of a birth and I don't see 12 stars. And so because I had studied, I've been looking into Mark Biltz's work. And also, if you remember, there was this DVD that just like blew up years ago um, called The Star of Bethlehem. Did you guys see that one? That one blew my mind. 
I don't necessarily agree with all the dates or how he interprets, but, you know, everybody's different. Everybody in this room is not going to agree with me either, and that's fine. But his DVD blew my mind, and I loved what he did. He's like, let's just go. A lot of people say, oh, it was supernatural. It was supernatural. We can't know what that is. And Rick Larson decided to say, well, let's just go into the astronomy program. Copernicus and Kepler gave us the math. They're just algorithms. Everything's just in the software going to be accurate. Let's just use a program and go back. I'm like, that's awesome. And then I thought, well, uh, so I decided to study that out. And so I had already been using this program, Stellarium. And so when it came, uh, when I was sort of got the idea to look for a future sign, Revelation 12, I was already familiar with the program, so I just went forward. And I just went year to year to year to year in the fall. And then I hit 2017. And are you guys familiar with my videos and work? This is amazing. Um, we've got, do I have a laser? Oh, you, you can see, right? I don't have to. So, <laughs> so we've got Virgo here. It says that great sign was seen in the Shamaim. I took that from the Holy Scripture. Shamaim is plural for heavens, Hebrew. A woman clothed with the sun. Yeah, um, that's an incorrect translation. Yeah, no, because this was in Greek, and you're right, Shamayim, uh, the Shamayim, uh, the, the those are the heavens, plural in Hebrew, but in the Greek, which is what Revelation was written in, it is not Shamayim, Hebrew plural, it is Uranus, singular. Uh huh. A sign appeared in heaven. Mm-hmm. And it is. Iran uh, O, uh, which is the dative form, but it's singular. So what he just did there is add something to the text that is not there. You cannot say Shemayim um, for uh, Revelation twelve one because it's not plural; it's singular, and that makes a difference. We continue. The moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. And being pregnant, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. That's the first two verses there. Now, around our ecliptic, which is where the sun moves from our perspective, and the moon, and the wandering stars, which we call planets, astroplanetes. Astro- uh, planets are not stars. I mean, star planetes is where we get the word wandering. That's the Latin for what a planet is. We just in the English call it planet. But back then, they didn't have telescopes. They just saw the astronomers or the, the sky watchers back then, like the wise men who, who knew they were wise enough to realize to look to the heavens to find out when the Messiah was going to be born. There's nothing wrong with doing this if you do it biblically. This is not zodiac astrology, satanic stuff. God already created this stuff. Genesis 1.14, he put the lights in the skies. No, this is just a total distraction. Again, I just asked the question, Scott, how many people have you brought to penitent faith in Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, discipled in sound biblical doctrine? You are utterly distracted. Right? 
the sun governs the day, the moon governs the night. And he put them for signs. It's the first page of the Bible. And for seasons, but that word seasons is moedim in the Hebrew, which means appointments on God's calendar. Yeah, no, that's not exactly what moedim are. And uh, you've been listening to, to Larry Huck too much, or Paula White, and the televangelists. Yeah, well, big problem here. Major problem. Pointed times, and that's Leviticus 23. Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Pentecost, Feast of Trumpets, yeah. Atonement and Tabernacles. Those are appointed times. So Genesis 1.14 is telling us he's going to put signs on his appointments. That's what Mark... Yeah, my question is, how is this a sign if nobody can see it? It occurs in the middle of the daylight. You just said that in September... The sun is in the constellation Virgo. Will you be able to see Virgo? No. Will you be able to see Jupiter? No. Will you be able to see Leo? No. Will you be able to be will you be able to see the other planets? No. How is this a sign then? Else discovered, right? This happens to be the feast of trumpets this year. Yes. So around our ecliptic, we've got 12 constellations which which the the heavenly bodies move through. There's only one woman. There she is. Virgo. She's a virgin. This is like, this is is a template thing. You know, Bible prophecy has types and shadows and pictures, you know. This is called eisegesis. This is not the star of Bethlehem sign. This is different. This happens now, not then. And although I, I haven't been able to watch my videos, I, when I put, put slides in here, I realized I got all these slides in here, and I'm like, how am I going to follow this? Don't we all just rabbit trail? <laughs> I mean, I got stuff in here to show you, but my videos, I'm able to really just, you know, talk and then edit on top of it. But So we've got 12 constellations. Let me show you this. And what th- this is what I saw here is that what John wrote about is a stopped clock. No, he did not. Because he didn't write about this planetary um, alignment. That's what that is right there. It's a stopped clock. What we're looking at, 12 constellations. You got 12 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. 12 constellations. They're fixed in the heavens. They don't move. What does move? The sun, from our perspective, the moon, and the wandering stars. They move. And so when, he, when, when uh, John wrote this down, to me it said 92317. Yeah, to you it said that. And everyone's ooing and aahing, and <laughs> well, to him it said, you know, it's a stop clock. It said nine twenty three seventeen. Yeah, this is not what John was referring to. And again, if this is a sign that we're all supposed to see, 
Um, how are we supposed to see it? It takes place literally in the middle of the day. This is just nuts. <sighs> just, I mean, what do you do with that? All right, moving along, we're going to do a Kelly Dykstra update. So let's do this with her. Oh, it really doesn't matter what I do. What, what I, I do, do, as, as long, long as I do it with a flair. What effect a little smoke is with a dash of hocus pocus and the scent of burning sulfur in the air. I'm a fraud, a hoke, a charlatan, a joke, but they love me everywhere. For it really doesn't matter what I do, what I do, as long as I do it with a flare. That's right. Doesn't matter what I do or what I say, as long as I do it with a flare. So uh, we're heading over to the Crossing Church, and this just kind of gets chalked up with uh, the category of what? <laughs> what the weirdest, and I mean weirdest sermon illustrations I've ever heard. And I'm thinking we can use this. I'm just saying I think we can definitely do something with this. And so this is Kelly Dykstra preaching on a sermon titled Shed. Shed. Not not like, you know, work shed. I'll let her explain. Here we go. Hey, if this is your first time at The Crossing, hi, my name is Kelly. I'm married to that really hot guy that was up here just a second ago. And I am super excited to talk about Shed Part 2. We were looking at our family schedule for the last couple of weeks, and I'd been planning on speaking, and then I was just like, no, I can't do it. I don't have the energy, whatever, whatever. You should have said, I can't do it. God's word forbids me from preaching a sermon. That's what she should have said. Scripture is very clear on this. See First uh, Timothy chapter 2 as well as First Corinthians chapter 14 if you're unclear. Last week, Eric was kind of putting the message together, and he looked at me. He's like, Kelly, this is totally your message. And I was like, yeah, I know it is. And so uh, uh, I, a lot of credit goes to him because he really did the bulk of the work on this. I just get the fun part. Um, so I am really excited. So we're going to talk. I, I didn't see earlier because I wasn't looking. I was trying to text my daughter about making lasagna for lunch. Um, so how many of you were here last week? You were here last week? Okay, good. So a lot of you, most of you, but a lot of, uh, there's a fair number of people here who actually weren't here last week. So we're going to do just a really quick review. So everybody say, let's review. All right, great. So there's a spot in your note sheet so you can write in the review stuff if you want to. But basically, this is what we started with last week. Don't worry, Jen, we do not have a photo. But we used to have a snake, uh, a pet snake. His name was Weaver. We named him Weaver because we, he was little bitty when we bought him. And he would weave in and out of our fingers, so we called him Weaver. It's this really cute little snake. But the snake grew and grew and grew. And eventually, we just got rid of it because... Um, now, real quick, uh, you know, in the Bible, snake good or snake bad? Snake bad. Yes, the snake is bad. You know, we were deceived by a talking serpent. So I just saying, just kind of work with the biblical um, <clears throat> the symbology here. But, uh, what what we noticed about Weaver was as he grew. Every little while, he would, because um, he was like this beautiful, like burnt orange color. He was a corn snake. He was a beautiful snake. Uh, I mean, if there can be such a thing. But um, he had this just shiny orange color. And every now and then, uh, his his coloring would just get really um, like dim and kind of grayish. And he would just get really faded and kind of gross looking. And even his eyes that were usually so bright would get kind of clouded over. And it was because he needed to shed. Okay? Because... 
Yeah, yes, yes, that's right, that's right. So this, we don't begin in a biblical text. We begin with the uh, illustration of a snake shedding its skin. Okay. He grew. So what's the application here? Skin kind of loosened, and he was encased in just this excess crust. Mm-hmm. I know, so gross. You're like, why did I come to church today? So I could gross you out right before we even talk about anything important. But then what he'd do is he'd start kind of rubbing against the rock and digging down in the sand and stuff. And he would shed that skin and he would emerge just fresh and clean and shiny again. And he could see clearly again. And we thought, this is a really great analogy for how life is for us. I, okay, I admit this is gratuitous. (laughs) So the people there at the crossing, including the pastors, who one of them female... Um, they are serpentine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, just wanted to point that out. By their own admission, they're serpentine. Now, this is not what they meant, but I'm just saying this is really weird. So apparently we need to learn how to shed certain things in our lives, which kind of begs the question. I mean, have you ever noticed, I mean, if you've listened to Fighting for the Faith for any length of time, you'll notice that the emphasis within evangelical preaching kind of changes. It morphs, Okay. And uh, so the stuff that I was pointing out, although it's similar, it's different. The stuff I was pointing out 10 years ago is similar but different. And uh, in evangelicalism, there is a, a constant drift theologically. And, of course, doctrines of demons being what they are, being serpentine. Yeah, so he's just saying here. Um, I think that we could say quite naturally that that, you know, because evangelicalism isn't currently preaching on the four blood moons, but is now preaching on the eclipse and the uh, (sighs) September 23rd thingy. Um, And now they're talking about dream destiny thingy and uh, all that kind of stuff. And and the emphasis changes. I mean, it was the prayer of Jabez for a while, then it was the purpose-driven life, and now it's something else. That because uh, evangelicalism's, you know, doctrines, well change um it's like shedding snakeskin mm-hmm. so i uh, just just saying you know so i i i agree i admit that was somewhat gratuitous on my part and uh i don't <laughs> you know she shouldn't be preaching anyway you get the point but i just i just saying in the future as we note how evangelicalism's major doctrines uh morph and change uh, we will also note the fact that uh, it's very serpentine, mm-hmm. very serpentine, that uh, they shed false doctrines on, on a regular basis you know, as they become dull and lackluster and don't, don't have the same kind of relevant appeal to the masses in the moment. Uh, and the itching ears need to be scratched different ways, that they shed their old doctrines and... Um, and put on new ones, you know, just, you know, new, new serpentine doctrines emerge after they shed the old ones. I think it's a valid metaphor. What do you think? All right, love to get your feedback. If you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith, you can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com, or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there, at Christian. Quick break. When we come back, it's time for uh, a Faith Church St. Louis Nicole Crank sermon. Yeah. 
<laughs> grab a sledgehammer and, a, and an ice pack. Stay tuned. Don't want to miss it. We'll be right back. Sissioprified religiosity won't save you. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. High Ridge Christian Radio Theater presents Death of a Salesman. Are ye a salesman? Why, yes, I am. Can I interest you in some... You're listening to Byron Christian Radio. Hi, Chris Rosebro here to talk about our longtime featured advertiser, Cheapo Air. Doesn't matter if you're traveling for business reasons or for pleasure. Doesn't matter if you're traveling within the United States or abroad. Cheapo Air is the place for you to save literally hundreds of dollars on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars. Visit our website, fightingforthefaith.com. On the side of our website, you'll see our ad banners. Look at the ad banner for Cheapo Air and look on it. There's a promo code. Write the promo code down, click on the ad banner, and then book your travel at the Cheapo Air website, and you'll have the opportunity to enter that promo code for additional savings. Again, fightingforthefaith.com. Write down the promo code, click on the ad banner, and save money on your airfare, hotel rooms, and rental cars today. All right, we're back. Hour number two of Fighting for the Faith sermon review time. You may want to get something like Ibuprofen, Tylenol with codeine, anything to help with the pain that your brain will experience while listening to this sermon. Ugh. But let's do this right. Hey, ho! We got the bad, the ugly. We review it all here at Fighting for the Faith. We're an equal opportunity sermon reviewing service. Today's sermon sermon comes to us via Faith Church, St. Louis. Nicole Crank presiding. The name of it is To Go or Not to Go. It's like, were you trying to be Shakespearean? To go or not to go? That is the question. Whether it's just nobler, never mind. Anyway, you kind of get the point. Um, she's going to be botching the story of Ruth. I have no idea how this one ends. I've only previewed it, and five minutes in, I was already scratching my head thinking, what, what, what? How is what you're saying actually related to the text that is in question? Yeah. So uh, let me go ahead and back off on the music, and without any further ado, here's Nicole Crank. To go or not to go? Here, here we go. You what? There's a word from God today that is going to adjust you. It is going to change your course. It is going to change the way you will not be the same person when you leave today. Weldon Spring on live Sunset Hills. Uh, I'm not going to be the same after I hear this nonsense. Oh, I can't wait to be changed into a vegetable. Apparently, campuses, you will not be the same. You will not. Well, she thinks she's an awful good preacher. Oh, I wish. <laughs> I know we serve an awful good God. And I was the first one to hear the message that he had. And I'm really excited about it. 
All right. So this is she just claimed kind of surreptitiously that this message is an actual message directly from God. Okay. You see, the title of the message is You Got to Go. Turn to a neighbor right now and just ask him, You got to go? No, I, I already went. Second part of the message is You got to let him go. Tell somebody else, You got to let him go. And the third part of the message, well, then online TV, everybody, is You got to go. Tell somebody, You got to go. Three different pieces linked, three very different meanings from what God has for us. You see, there's so many ways to say goodbye. So long, farewell, good night, Alvita Zane. I'd like to stay and taste my shirt for champagne. That's my version of Broadway. Get over it. <laughs> right? Peace out. Bye. I always think of Zorro until we meet again. <laughs> Alicia, <laughs> which is my favorite and will come in handy later in the message. Just turn to somebody right now and say, it's not personal, but bye Felicia. Bye Felicia. You know, if you turn with me to Ruth, if you have your Bible, because you do, amen. amen. If you go to uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, first and second Samuel, first and second Kings, that's where Ruth is at. So if you go to Ruth, and there is, a, there is a story in Ruth, but it's not story, it's history. And there are characters in the story, but they're not characters, they're people like you. And one of the people is a mama, and her name is Naomi. And mama is married to a man, and they have two sons. And the two sons marry two girls. They marry Oprah, Orpah, not Oprah, Orpah, and they marry Ruth. Well, life is going along just great, but Papa passes... And then son passes and then another son passes and then there's just the three girls left. You ever had a day in your life when you can't figure out how did all that happen and how did I get here? Well, that's where they wake up that day. How did we get here? And so Ruth says, I can't take care of these girls. I can't provide for these girls. I can't farm for these girls. I can't protect them from warriors. I can't protect them from the animals. I don't know what I'm going to do. So I, I know, I know what I'll do. I'm going to tell them they need to go home. I'm going to invite them to go. So she embraces Ruth and she embraces Oprah and she's like, girls, you got to go. Even if I meet a man today and I get pregnant today, you're not going to want to marry that man. Because how many of you know it would be illegal? At least for 17 years. <laughs> so you're not going to want to marry that man. You're not going to wait that long. You need to go home to your family. It's going to be so much better. We always got to be careful who we listen to because sometimes just because you got invited to go doesn't mean that God wants you to go. That is a word. Uh, what? <laughs> See, I told you, it's, you're going to be scratching your head going, what on earth? Just because you got invited to go doesn't mean you, you, you should go or got to go. Okay. If you're a note taker, I invite you to write it down. If you put, look back at your Twitter, I invite you to put it there. Just because somebody invites you to go, it doesn't mean that God told you to go. Just because your boss told you you're not cutting it. Just because your husband told you you can preach a sermon doesn't mean you should or can. I see how this works. Yeah, I get it. Third conversation. I think it's time to develop your transition plan. 
You see, it's so easy to take the easy way out. Well, you know, the, the marriage is hard and it's really stale. Just because your mate thinks that you're not capable of providing them the love, that they don't feel the love, that they're not interested in you anymore. We say, you know what? I can't be what they want me to be, so I'm out. I know, these are hard, right? Just because the job offer comes and it's glittery and it looks good and the pay is way more and they have a signing bonus. You don't know that they're not getting ready to lay off people in six months. Just because. So whatever you do, don't take that job with the signing bonus. Yeah, just because you're invited doesn't mean you should go, you know. That hot thing comes along and your spouse ain't paying attention to you anyway. And they want to give you all that attention that you've been really needing anyway. You need it. You haven't been getting it. Doesn't mean that you should go. Maybe when the boss tells you it's time to step out, you say, no, you know what? I, I'm not going to step out. What I'm going to do is I'm going to step up and I'm going to show you a me that you have never seen before. And maybe you tell that mate, you think you're bored, but I've been pouring all my love and attention into the kids in my career. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to pour into you like I did when we got married. And you're going to remember why you wanted to marry me because you're going to reignite that spark and that love that is still on the inside. Somebody say, amen. yeah, d- this has nothing at all to do with what's going on in the book of Ruth. Go back into the recent archives of fighting for the faith. I actually worked through the whole book because your marriage is worth it. Amen. Amen. We have all these easy outs, all these reasons to sidestep, all these reasons to back out. But friends, I'm here to tell you, some things sparkle and they look so good from far away. Just be sure it's not the enemy sharpening his blade and reflecting it. And what he's telling you is the green light on easy street. Just because it glitters, it isn't God. Just because it looks good, it isn't God. And just because it looks hard... Actually, chances are that's God. (laughs) (laughs) What was that? Just because it looks hard. If you want to discern the voice of God, people tell me all the time, Weldon, they say, hey, um, I need to discern the voice. How do you know when it's God's voice? I'm like, oh, well, that's easy. Are they telling you to do something hard? Yeah. Are they telling you to do something that you do not want to do? Yeah. Well, that's God. Yeah, which biblical text says that? I mean, I'm pretty sure the devil's capable of listening in on this line and going, all right, so what we need to do here is we need to speak to people and make them think that we're God and we'll fool them by giving them something hard to do that they don't want to do. <laughs> They'll think it's from God and it's really from me. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. You know, he tells us to walk by faith. The problem is we walk according to the circumstances that we can see. Orpa, Orpa was walking according to the circumstances that she could see. You're not going to have a baby. You're not going to be able to take care of me. I love you, Ruth. Oh, you're so good. What time's this ticket for? I don't want to leave you. Oh, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm sure we should stay together all whole time, but I got to go by Felicia. She was out because it looked hard. Everybody say, because it looked hard. Yeah, actually, the text doesn't tell us why Orpa left. You just put that into the text and it's not there. But Ruth stayed. 
Most of the time, when it doesn't make sense in the natural, that's when you know you got to look at God. Yeah, no text says that either. Because he tells us in Isaiah 55, 8, your ways are not my ways and your thoughts are not my thoughts. Yeah, that's actually in the context of forgiving sins. Yeah, look it up in Isaiah 58. It's talking about the mercy of God, not um, God talking to you in the way you know that he's talking to you is because, you know, whoa, it doesn't make sense in the natural. That's not what that text means. Basically, he says, baby, you have no idea the plans that I have for you. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, you don't know the plans I have for you. They're- yeah, Jeremiah 29, 11 out of context. We've covered that so many times. It's just insane that anyone would think that somebody's quoting it out of context. Like Nicole Crank is actually teaching you what God's word says. But and not for evil to bring you to an expected end. But all we can say is, God, I just look around and it looks so hard. He's like, yeah, because you're looking in the natural. I need you to take a look in the spirit and I need you to see past what you can see with your eyes. I need you to close your eyes and open your mind to my trust and my blessing. Uh, (laughs) what text says any of this? And if you can see past what you think you know and try and tune in to what I know, because I am the spirit of God. I am the spirit of grace. I am the spirit of mercy. I am the spirit of love. I am out in your future already. You can see to the corner, but I can see around it. You see, because what happened was, I always like when people tell me a story, they're like, well, what happened was, and you're about to hear something. (laughs) So what happened was Orpah left, but Ruth stayed. Yeah, that part's true. When it looked hard. No, you see, you added that. (laughs) It doesn't say why Orpah left. Ruth stayed, and Naomi went back to her homeland where they could get food. And I guess what we don't really think about, maybe Ruth wasn't thinking about, is Naomi couldn't have any more babies, but when you married into a family... You were in the family, and if your spouse died or departed, they put you with another boy in the family. So I guess what I'm saying, ladies, is this. Go to the family reunion before you say yes. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) What? You need to look around and be like, whoa, I hope all the cousins are cute, (laughs) because... So they go to this other this other area and they go to live and there's this guy his name is Boaz Boaz ain't Poaz the people that she just left (laughs) do any of you all find it distracting that she said Boaz's name in that kind of sultry kind of voice were any of you like distracted by that (laughs) Boaz is single Boaz is integral. Boaz is good looking. And Boaz is making it rain, baby. Boaz. Talking about money. Um, you are aware that Boaz is in the direct um, bloodline of the Messiah, right? And uh, he in type and shadow is actually reflecting Jesus not some gangster with lots of cash who can make it rain. You, you know that, right? Is loaded. Boaz leads the area. Boaz is a leader of the community, and Boaz is a part of the family. 
Single girl just said, yeah, I take it. One single girl. The rest of the single girl's like, I don't know if I got faith for it yet. Oh, girl, believe it. Believe what? For a rich... Uh, I mean, a rich single guy just because you told part of the story of Ruth in this way that the people who are single women there are going to believe for rich guys to take an interest in them. What are you talking about? You've been going for broke ass, sorry ass, mad ass, poor ass. God's like, why are you settling for all that? I got you a Boaz. Somebody say amen if they're single, female or male. God's got a blessing in your future that exceeds your expectation. Ruth marries Boaz. How do you figure? Just because you twisted the text? And when she marries him, they have a baby named Jesse. Guess who is born out of that? King David. Guess who comes out of the lineage of David? Jesus. When they All right, so she connected the the genealogical dots here, <laughs> but she doesn't make Boaz sound anything like Christ. Yet the Book of Ruth does. Out the entire lineage of Jesus, there are five women in that lineage who are named by name. And do you know one of those five women? That name is Ruth. God is wanting you to get past that hard thing. If people are inviting you to leave. Uh, <laughs> Uh, what? Um, so, so apparently uh, all you single women out there, you know, uh, you, you're Ruth. Yeah, no, that's not how you read these texts. This is called Narcissus. And boy, is this awful. This is just painful. Don't walk away from the blessing just because it looks hard. That's what Orpah did. And I can't help but wonder, and it will be a question that I ask. Again, no text says that about Orpah. When I go to heaven, because if you're in very many conversations with me, you know, I ask a lot of questions. It's kind of annoying, but I am going to ask. Yeah, your question asking is like not even the tip of the iceberg when it comes to what is annoying about you. God, was it supposed to be Orpah? Did you have her name in the lineage? Did you give her the first opportunity? But she went ahead and forfeited the opportunity. Little girl in the front row said, no. (laughs) But did she forfeit the opportunity when she stepped out? And God said, you can step out, but you can't stop my plan. So I'll go ahead and I'll lift somebody else up and I'll put them right in that place. I want you to say right now, say I'm Ruth. Bye, Felicia. No, you're not Ruth. And who's Felicia? Technically, we need to change it. Well, then, online TV, I want you to say, bye, Orpa. You see, that's what the, the next part is. You got to let them go. You got to let them go. You got to let them go. Not to the not to the no, no, no. That's me being Megan Trainer. I'm just a jukebox today. It's free music video Sunday. <laughs> you know, I wish I could sing. It'd be so much more fun for y'all. <laughs> You know, I can't remember how many times uh, my ex-husband left when he got hooked on drugs. And I begged him to come back. Drug addict and all. I just wanted him back. I wanted it whole. I wanted it how it used to be. I had this memory. And he just wasn't having it. 
He'd come back until the next paycheck. He'd come back until the next opportunity. He'd come back until he wanted to get high again. And then he'd leave. I was always at home all, baby, come back. You can blame it all on me. The problem is we're wanting them to blame it on us just so they'll stay. And truth of the matter is they got problems of their own. Now we got to remember, I'm going to take a step over. Just because somebody invites you to go doesn't mean you're supposed to go unless it's God. But if somebody like Orpah is going to exit your life, I want to let you know, you got to let it go. You got to let it go. Not to the, not to the, no, no, no. Bye, Felicia. See you later, alligator. So long, farewell. Alvita Zane. I'm here to tell you right now, nobody is going to exit your life and mess up your destiny. Nothing takes God by surprise, my friends. Yeah, you need to pick up the phone. You need to pick up the phone and delete their number so you can't ever text them again. Yeah, none of this. I mean... (laughs) None of this has anything to do at all with the book of Ruth and why God the Holy Spirit had it penned. Wow. This is just jaw-droppingly bad. You never have to, to look at somebody who's walked away from you and beg them to love you, to care about you, to believe in you, to spend time with you, to stay in touch with you. If they're going to exit your life, our job in Christ is to just let them go. Just let them go, baby. But I'm not sure it really hurts. I was there. My ex-husband left me not for a woman. He left me for drugs. How do you even compete? How can you be cute enough, smart enough, sweet enough, loving enough? How do you compete with a drug? I couldn't figure it out. Now, 20 years later, oh yeah, I wasn't supposed to compete with the drug. I was supposed to let him go. God is looking at our life saying, you're so busy holding on to the wrong thing. That your arms are not even available to catch the blessing that I'm trying to send you. I was trying to hold on to a man that did not want me. And all the time, I'm just going to warn you right now. I haven't seen my husband in about like 16 hours. The finest, best looking, cutest, most loving, best preaching, best husband in all the world was in a holding pattern waiting for me to get my act together and let go of some man who didn't want me here. Yeah. Um, um, can, should we discuss what the Bible says about divorce and what are biblical grounds for it? You know, just, just saying, just asking you here. Um, boy, this is a mess in life going, I don't know why I'm going in circles in my life. That might be you right now. You're like, God, I don't know why you won't send me what I'm looking for. I don't know why you won't send me my mate. I don't know why you won't send me the job. I don't know why you won't send me the client. He's like, I want to, but you're busy holding on to this other stuff that, that other person. So, so God wants to send you, um, uh, a mate. 
But you're hanging on to your current husband or wife. <laughs> and this is the message that you're getting out of the book of Ruth, right? Wow. Um, I, I, wow. I just don't even have words. Holding on. That, that other person is holding on. I'm trying to move them out of the way. I'm trying to get them to let it go. You're in a holding pattern until they are finally available because they've let it go. Everybody say, you got to let it go. When we let it go, we can let go and let God. First John 2.19. And said they went out from us, but they didn't really belong to us. They're friends for a reason, friends for a season, and friends for a lifetime. That means... Oh. Yeah, that's not referring to friends who've left you. That, that's referring to false Christians who left the Christian fellowship. Wow, is this bad. One group out of that three really stays forever. God puts people in your life for now. For this, for this point in your life, for this place in your life. He puts these people in your life for a reason. You need this, you need that. You need to support them, they need to support you. And when the season is done, when the reason is done, it's time to let them go so that you can have that lifetime availability. He said they, didn't, they went out from us because they didn't belong to us, First John 2, 19, because if, everybody say if, if they had belonged to us, they would have remained with us. They would have remained, but their going showed, their going showed that they did not belong to us. I don't care if your spouse left you. I don't care if your mama left you. I don't care if your daddy left you. My daddy gave me up before I was even born, before he even met me. Yeah, that's not what this text is about. So let's, I mean, let's just take a look at it because you can kind of see what is going. It's, it's really bad. <laughs> I, yeah, um, so the text in question is First John 2.19, and uh, context, context, context. First uh, John 2.15 is where we'll uh, begin. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eyes, the pride of life... It's not from the Father, it's from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Children, it is the last hour. And as you have heard, that Antichrist is coming, so now there are many Antichrists that have come. Therefore, we know that it is the last hour. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they... All are not of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talking about how the antichrists have left us. I, uh, yeah, I, I again, I'm kind of dumbfounded. I, having not listened to this whole thing in its entirety, <laughs> my jaw is on my desk. I, it, it, wow, train wreck, train wreck. How do you not like somebody you've never met? I hadn't even been born to offend him yet. Just because they left, it doesn't make them bad. Get this, so we don't get an offense and unforgiveness. It doesn't make them bad. It simply means that their part in your life, their part in your destiny, you know? <laughs> uh, again, the context is antichrists. 
They're the ones who left, yeah. God needed from the man who was my biological father, he needed his seed to create me. Because there must have been something in him that was good that God wanted to make sure that I had. Maybe it was strength. Maybe it was stubbornness. (laughs) The narcissism here is palpable. I don't know. But he said, I needed that from him and I needed it put in you. But he didn't need to be there forever. He needed to be there for that night. And since he was there for that night, I got what he needed. Now, if he stays, he's going to mess you up. So, baby, just let him go. Just let him go. I got a stepdaddy for you in the United States. He's going to adopt you and take care of you all of his life. Just give me a minute. Just give it a chance. Everybody say, bye, Felicia. We got to let him go. We got to let him go. And there are other people in your life. I'm going to challenge you right now. There are people in your life that God wants you to let go. And he qualifies who they are in Psalm 101 verse four. Psalm 101 verse four says, I'll reject perverse ideas and stay away from evil. I want you to say out loud, Weldon online TV. I want you to say out loud, say, you got to go. Well, that was nice. Except for. Sometimes you need a little resolve if you say, oh, well, oh, you got to go. (laughs) You ever had people at your house that you yawned, you cleaned the kitchen, you handed them their hat, you told them you had to get up early tomorrow and they still didn't leave? Some people need a little help and you have to have a little resolve that, well, I'm sorry, but you've got to go. Isn't going to be able to handle. So friends, I need you to have a little attitude and I need you to say, you got to go. go. Boom. That is what I'm looking for. So it says, I'll reject perverse ideas and stay away from evil. Say, you got to go. I will not tolerate people who slander their neighbors. I will not endure conceit and pride. What do you got to do? You got to go. I will search for faithful people in my companions. So now he's told us what's got to go. Now here's what we got to look for. I will search for faithful people as my companions. Only those who are above reproach are allowed to serve me. Well, God is telling us who to weed out of our life. So why? Well, why does God got to weed people out of my life? I don't like weeding people out of my life. Um, How do you arrive at the conclusion that... The book of Ruth is teaching us that God wants to weed people out of our lives. Just. Sometimes the wrong people in your life are the anchor to the past that you're trying to get away from. Yeah, I think the anchor that uh, God wants people to get away from is you, Nicole. So while we're like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, they're my, we used to kick it back in the day. You don't understand. It was thick. It was fun. They know too much. You got any friends that know too much? No. God's like shackles off my feet so I can dance. I'm going to praise him. I'm going to praise him. He wants to break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. If I could sign anything like Tasha Cobb, I would have done it just then. God wants to bust us out of that. But the fact of the matter is he won't bust it. We have to. So he says, who's God wants to, but he won't. So we gotta, (laughs) where's that in Ruth again? Not around. Here's who you are around. And verse seven says, I will not allow deceivers to serve in my house and the liars cannot stay in my presence. 
Well, you're a liar because you're saying that God wants us to believe this stuff. And that's blaspheming God's holy name. No matter what you've done, because now you're thinking, well, I've been a liar. I've been a deceiver. I've been a cheater. I got an addiction. I'm looking at porn. Now you're trying to qualify yourself out of even being able to be here. I have- yeah, but aren't those sins? <laughs> Maybe Jesus' death on the cross has something to do with uh, resolving that particular problem. This for you, friend. God is not looking for a reason not to use you. God is simply waiting for you. Why aren't you calling them to repent of their sins and be forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ, which he shed for them while suffering in their place on the cross? To cut yourself loose and to stop feeling so guilty about the people who are exiting your life. He wants to make sure we're not the people using the wrong exits. I, 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 yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't make any sense of this. I, it does, doesn't, it's not even lucid as a doctrine, it, it, let alone as a thought or any kind of biblical exegesis. This tells us a lot about the cracked mind of Nicole Crank. And he says, I don't care about your past. I don't care what you did. I don't care about last weekend. I don't care who raped you. I don't care who molested you. I don't care who rejected you. I don't care what zip codes you were born in. I don't care about your bankruptcy. I don't care about your divorce. I don't care about that cheating. I don't care about your taxes. What I care about is you, baby. And here's what I want to tell you. Don't step off now. Stay when it's hard and let them other suckers go. Can somebody give me a good amen? No, my ears are bleeding. Woo! Why? Why? Why do we got to do that? Why do you got to do what you're doing right now? Baby, you got to go. What? You you mean I got to leave? Yep. You got to leave. I got to leave to where? You got to leave to the future that God has for you. Those things that he's been talking about. We're going back to the future. And to you about that you haven't endeavored on yet. That tithe he's been pushing you. Get that flux capacitor turned on. Lord, that call that he wants you to do. Those people he wants you to reach out to in your neighborhood and you're not sure how to start the conversation. That business that he wants you to start, but you've always had a steady paycheck. That client he wants you to expand to, not the sparkling thing that we want, but those things that he's been speaking to you, and you're like, uh-uh, 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 I don't want to. You shake your head so hard, your cheeks shake. <laughs> That's God. It takes, you can't do it, it's impossible. I can't. Yeah, again, no biblical text says this. This is bad advice. It's not even sound doctrine. I mean, good night. Somebody's going to get them their life in a lot of trouble if they believe this and actually put it into practice. Fulfill that. Oh, that's God. Because he is the God of the impossible. I can't do it by myself. I'm not big enough. That's God. Because he knows it's faith. Yeah, no, no biblical text says that. With God, with faith, all things are possible. This is what God is calling you to do. We got to go where God tells us to go. David usually invites me to go along if he gets some big adventure or some exciting thing to do. And so one day, I know this is impossible for you to think of, but David made me just miffed at him. I know it's hard to imagine me miffed. 
or David not being an angel. Y'all know him. Y'all know him. So I decided as punishment to David, I am going to deprive him of my presence. I know, right? He probably got up that morning and said, God, give me a peaceful day. He's like, sure, got that. (laughs) He goes on this adventure. He's supposed to come home at like three. Calls me, not going to be back till six. Calls me, not going to be back till eight. He comes home around nine o'clock and I am just sure that this heartbroken, defeated man who misses me so greatly is going to slink into our home. Instead, the door flies open and he enters like Tigger from Winnie the Pooh. (laughs) You're not going to believe my day. Oh my God, it's so crazy. I can't believe you missed this. Oh, I don't want you to miss it. I wish you was there. There was this opportunity. It will never happen again in our lifetime, Nicole. How could you not have been there? Well, I was miffed at you. Factored myself out. Because you were in trouble. What have we been missing in our lives? Because we're miffed at God, maybe. We don't want to do what he said. Mad at him because somebody got sick or he didn't come through this one time that we think he should have. Or he didn't come through the way that we thought he should have. No, no, no. You let my ex-husband leave. What? He's like, yeah, because I got a better one on the way. Somebody who's going to love you. Somebody who's going to value you. Somebody who's going to believe in you. Somebody who's going to lift you up. Somebody who's going to make you so much better a person. You won't even know yourself in 20 years. That is who David made me. So there's this guy. His name is Jonah. And God gives Jonah a word. The funny thing about Christians. We all want a word from God. We want a word from God. Until we hear the word and then we're like, "Mm -mm, nope, not that wasn't for me. They got it wrong. (laughs) And the word for Jonah was arise and go to Nineveh, which was a walled city full of warriors, savages. They cared about no one. So now she's twisting the story of Jonah. They were heartless. And go tell them this, Jonah. Y'all are going to hell. God's killing all y'all. Ain't nobody going to survive. Have a nice day. He's like, I won't make it through the front gate of the city. They will kill me. That's not the reason why he didn't go. He didn't go because he knew God was merciful and might forgive him. Read all of Jonah. It's explicitly stated at the end of the book. God didn't take the reasoning. He just gave him the word. So Jonah runs from God. Ah! The funny thing about God is you can run, but you can't hide. So instead of going this way, 600 miles, he heads 2,200 miles the opposite direction. But God finds him. There's a storm on the ship that he's on. And they know, even though they're men, I find it funny that God told him, arise and go to Nineveh. And the man on the boat looking for him goes down into the belly of the boat. He looks at him and says, arise, Jonah. The voice of man many times will mimic the voice of God. I believe that my voice today is mimicking the voice of God that has been in your life. Yeah, no, not even close. This is more like the sound of the devil I'm hearing. Those things that you've been trying to crawdaddy out of or not let go of or get out of too easily or won't go towards. God is using my voice to say today those same things that he's been telling you. And they woke him up. But just because you've done something wrong. Just because you've messed up your past, just because you headed the wrong direction, just like Jonah. Those are most likely sins. Uh, Sins need to be dealt with by repentance and being forgiven. 
the cross has something to do with this. And things look really bad because they're going to throw the boy off the boat. They throw him off the boat and God says, no, you're not going to be swallowed up. We don't serve a vengeant, hateful God. God never leaves you, no forsakes you. He said, yeah, I'm going to swallow you up. And he sends up a big fish to swallow him up in his grace and his mercy. He should have died and he should have drowned. But instead he ends up alive in the belly of a fish. Y'all have seen Jaws, right? (laughs) You don't get into the mouth of a big fish in one gulp, in one piece. There's a leg there and a pinky floating over there. He gets in there in one bite. And here's the thing that Jonah did that I don't want to happen to you. He waited three days to pray. Three days. <laughs> really? I mean, it didn't occur to Jonah to start praying as soon as he finds himself alive instead of a fish. <laughs> so ridiculous. How is it these people are not standing up and walking out thinking this woman is Looney Tunes? She's not teaching God's word correctly at all. To tell God, God, I repent and I'll do whatever you tell me to do. If I'd have been in that belly, I'd have waited about 28 minutes and 30 seconds. Which is about how far we are into this message right this very moment. And I would have told God, God... I am sorry for what I did, and I'm sorry that I've tried to run away from you. But if you will give me another chance, I will get my tail height on course, and I will do what you told me to do. God doesn't care what pushed you down, how far you've pushed yourself down. His grace will swallow you up, and it might even allow you to go deeper. He went below sea level. He stayed in the depths and the caverns of the earth for three days. But none of it was to hurt him. All of it was to save him because the, the alternative... You, you do know that it becomes like the ultimate sign. Mm-hmm. It's a sign that Jesus pointed to and said that his death and resurrection would be like, right? The ultimate sign of who Christ is and what his authority is. That was his death out of the will of God. If the enemy has had his way, Jonah jumped off the boat, Jonah would have died. God's grace and mercy swallowed it up and it held him in that place until everybody say until, until he said, God, I will do it your way. And God immediately brought him out of the depths of the earth three days later, which, you know, kind of foretells a story of another man who came out of the depths of hell who spent mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. is there. He bursts him out onto the shore and guess what he tells Jonah and guess what he's telling you. He's telling you, arise and go to Nineveh. Yeah, I, I, I don't think they, that Delta flies there. God's determination, God's direction, God's plan for your life does not change no matter what you... Yeah, those texts are not about some dream, destiny, plan, purpose thingy that God has for my life. Woman, you need to sit down. You don't know what you're doing or what you're talking about. You are deceived and you are deceiving other people. Done. No matter how you screwed it up, no matter how we have delayed it, no matter when we stepped out, if we will step back in, God's plan for you is always the same, has always been the same, and will never change. My friends, God wants to use you for something big. Can I get it? That is not a biblical teaching. You are filling these people's heads with nonsense, scratching their itching ears, and this is just straight-up narcissism. Amen. So now I'd like to pray with you. 
Cue sappy music. This is an emotional manip- manipulation technique designed to create the false impression. God, the Holy Spirit is now descending on the audience wanting to make decisions. Are you going to make the decision so that God can do something great through you and in you? Oh, would you f- embrace your purpose and get rid of the people in your life that you need to dump so that God can you know, give you something great to do? <sighs> Clueless. I just, I mean, the word is the clueless. This is just cluelessness. If you have something that you should let go, would you raise your hand online? Well, then TV every Yeah, let go of Nicole Crank. Let her go. Let her go. Find a real pastor. Run away. If you, uh, if God's been telling you that you got to go and you haven't want to been going, I also need you to raise your hand. And if you've been invited to go... Is this like an altar call to dump people in your life? I mean, seriously. Back in the day, altar calls would involve, like, confessing that you've sinned and asking God to forgive you. Went too easy and you know you shouldn't have exited. I want you to raise your hand. Father God, here's our hands in the air. And repentance towards you. (laughs) No, no, no. No, that's not repentance. I assure you that's the opposite of it. What did I just watch? <laughs> Good night. <laughs> it was, I, I, wow. <laughs> just, okay. I am, I'm going to um, need some time to recover from <laughs> this. Tomorrow will be a light episode. And then I'm going to enjoy a three-day weekend. Um, wow, 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 wow. Um, boy, I mean... Talk about a total. If you if you really want to know what Ruth's about, uh, look it up in the archives of Fighting for the Faith. I even in the archives of Fighting for the Faith, you can find me working through the entire story of Jonah in one setting. Okay, um, okay. Uh, my brain has uh, literally experienced a flat tire. I don't know what else to do at this point except for to say that was probably one of the worst sermons I've ever listened to in my life, and. Um, I'm going to need some downtime to to, to recover. <laughs> I think I injured myself. So what do you think? I'd love to get your feedback if you'd like to email me regarding anything you've heard on this edition or any previous editions of Fighting for the Faith. You can do so. My email address is talkback at fightingforthefaith.com or you can subscribe on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pirate Christian. Follow me on Twitter. My name there at pirate christian till tomorrow may god richly bless you in the grace and mercy won by jesus christ his vicarious death on the cross for all of your sins amen